I am Sam J. Jones, Flash Gordon. Okay. Oh, excuse me. That's okay. It's been a long day. <laughs> the dome always does that to me. Okay. So it's much. good to be seen. It really is. And you're listening to Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. Don't think you get me so easily. It is now time for us to put Earth under our roof. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that you will give you witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Bye-bye Saturday night. It's 3 a.m. in Kuala Lumpur, and it's TalkCast 231. Join us as we talk tonight about things this week that probably mean nothing to anyone but us and the vast gajillions who listen with bated breath and bated hooks in our virtual fishbowl of sci-fi life. Deep in Area 51 on the sub-level 16, Bob and Carol, Ted and Alice, Psychotherapy Creamery. If it's eating you up, have a cup. I am the Fiorella LaGuardia of an alternate universe. I am the Dome. Joining the talk cast tonight is our cast. We have a full cast tonight. And the Revere Time Vortex, our violent soundboard vixen, Countess of Shiny Stuff, inaccurately referred to as test no, accu- actually accurately referred to as testy lately, Vice Secretary of Opinions Are Us Weekly, the non-paper eco-friendly e-zine for nerds. It's our own girl genius, Kriana. Bite my shiny metal ass. Yeah, I figured that was coming. From the stacks of her quiet place in the dank dungeon, indoor zen and vegetable garden, the unmutable woman herself who is known throughout the cyber universe as the obvious successor to Dr. Susan Calvin. Look, it's not Schrodinger's cat because it's wearing a coat of shame. It's the Zombrarian. Pour into the microphone. <laughs> oh, she actually did. <laughs> that was cute. <laughs> From the four-color vault of comics in Manchester, New Hampshire, the lovely Ginger Ingenue who fell in love with Bella Lugosi on the set of Plan 9 from Outer Space. She still has the Angora sweater to prove it. In fact, Voltaire snuggled it for her. It's the dead redhead. Mine won't, won't purr into the microphone right now. He's you have Voltaire to purr into the, the microphone? The That's just weird. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> oh, oh well, I would love to. <laughs> yeah, we're we're gonna hear about Dead Redhead and Voltaire later on. We have a, a plethora of guests tonight. In you know, it's a pride of lions. It's a flock of seagulls, and in in Sci-Fi Saturday Night, it's a plethora of guests, which is more than one. Uh, from StoryBundle.com's latest Sci-Fi Fantasy and NaNoWriMo bundle. God, that's a mouthful. Uh, curator and author Joseph Lalo and author R.M. Prelo. Welcome, welcome, folks. Hi, how you doing? Hi. Have we scared you yet? <laughs> or, Far from it. <laughs> ah, cool. And, and also joining us... Oh, good. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> they haven't thought it through yet. Shh. And also joining us from the... <laughs> <laughs> I think we got a bit of a delay going on here. From Zombie Sub 920. Yeah. 
author and writer and and inker and and drawer mike mitchell mike welcome to the show thank you very much Dom. well you know normally we would have a lot going on right now but uh, all i'm going to say is and now the news That will be the only thing that actually works all night. <laughs> and now the end of the news. <laughs> so story um, bundle. <laughs> exactly. So there wasn't a heck of a lot going on this week. Um, the uh, rating results came out this year for the broadcast networks, which are becoming uh, less and less viable and less of le- and less and less Im- important as as other options for viewing goodness. Uh, come into our homes interestingly the closest thing to a to genre um, entrees that came through were the big bang theory which was the second highest rated show and that's that's just scary Sad. that's just scary and then revolution which was number 13 out of the top 100 that's, that's canceled and that's canceled oh thank goodness uh, what once upon a time, which was seventeenth, and that's just bad fantasy. Yeah, just 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 bad, uh, and that got renewed. Interestingly enough, of uh, it did. Castle oh, came Disney. in. Disney. reading people out there. Castle came in fortieth and has nothing to do with genre except for Nathan Fillion. Well, uh, I don't know. He he does a lot on there. They had that whole steampunk episode. Yep. Oh yeah, and I mean, you know, frankly, I I would watch him do anything. Uh, he's just fun. <laughs> what you whoa, 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 whoa! Creepy jar, Priyana. <laughs> Creepy jar. Right now. Thank you. <laughs> that and, could be arranged. And fiftieth, uh, right dead center was Grim, our our procedural Gergenflurger of the week. <laughs> well, the, the uh, wedding is this week. Telling you they need to rename it Monroe Mance, and, <laughs> and then people will start watching it again. It'll shoot Actually, right up to number one. Uh, Did you see the new character that they have? Trouble is her name. Yeah. Uh, haven't haven't watched that in over a season. Yeah, it's a, that's it's an interesting game. It, it's the Buffy the Vampire. No, Let's... it's not interesting. That's the problem. <laughs> And when, when Buffy was having problems in season four, they brought in Faith, the uh, really vampire. Really sexy second vampire slayer. Yeah, and, and yes. they brought in Trouble, who's the second Grim, to right. fight the Glurgen Flugers. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, from that point on, what have you got? Uh, I don't nothing. know why, but that seems racist. Gurgen Flugers? <laughs> yes. It's well. It's it's a flurgen stamper and a gurgen flugers, and that, that they're making up names for these things. <laughs> so that's what I'm doing. I mean, you know, what can I tell you? Um, the farfig movement. <laughs> so I've noticed that I think number ninety two there is that the reruns. No, that was that last uh, twelve well, episodes. I Okay, we're talking about Fringe. I just didn't want to give you guys a spoiler, but Fringe is number 92. Out of 100. And I was like, seriously, reruns of Fringe are the 92nd most popular thing on network TV. 
Yeah. And then I realized, yeah, that makes sense. It's been off the air for like a year now. And yet it's still, it still showed up in, in the top 100 because there may have been a couple of episodes that creeped through into the beginning of this season. And that's a damn shame that a show like that isn't still on. And yet, elementary is. Whatever. I mean, I, I agree with you that elementary is well, it had a good run. Come on, dummy. It had but, a good But Fringe, Fringe, I still haven't gotten past season four. I just, I just can't handle it. You can't handle the truth. I can't handle the Joshua Jackson. <laughs> just too much pace, you guys. You're just jealous of my love of Joshua Jackson. <laughs> he and I are best bros forever. It's just that he doesn't know it. Yeah. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. And not in a creepy way where I, like, steal his trash or anything. Kind of in a creepy way. <laughs> yet. Yet. Well, I don't have airfare. <laughs> that's the only thing holding you back at this point and I get that so I mean you know as, as far as broadcast ratings are concerned it, it's an interesting anomaly and, and that's about it because it has no real bearing on anything happening right now because uh, there are just so many other ways and so many other options for you that it is, it is rather dinosaurish at this point I question your definition of interesting <laughs> so, Dead Redhead was not here last week because she was the Voltaire Wrangler. I was Voltaire's wench for the weekend, yes. Oh my. <laughs> so, with her, with her absolutely non-biased review of how cool Nauticon was this year, Dead Redhead. Um... Actually, it was nice. Not a con is not your usual kind of con, that's for sure. Um, there's not a specific theme. There are multiple themes. And it's. it was originally set up for people who actually work conventions to sit back and have some fun and watch other people run a convention, if, the, if you can follow that. So, of course, there's a lot of genre talk going on, uh, but there's also a lot of drinking going on. Um, Which is what there, usually happens when cons uh, close, you know. There were, uh, but actually, many of them were very cool. There was a whiskey tasting. There was a sake tasting. There was a vodka tasting. <laughs> I'm sensing a theme here. Yes, there's a chop, but the best one was probably uh, there were several mead tastings by a group called J&J's Miracle Mead out of York, Pennsylvania. These guys put together an entire package. They have a little show that they do. They dress in steampunk outfits. They have their steampunk sidekick, a very attractive young girl who serves everybody their mead. Uh, they have many different meads of, of different flavors. They have a tea-based mead. Uh, so theirs is not quite as jarring as some meads. And they're actually extremely entertaining. And they tell all kinds of stories about how the names came up for their meads and so forth. So uh, if you're ever anywhere at some con that you see anything about J&J's Miracle Mead, I strongly suggest trying some of their mead because it really is delicious. But it's not all about mead. It's all about Voltaire, it's all isn't it? Ah, ha, ha. 
So yes, uh, X. I, I don't think X let me alone with him very often, but <laughs> um, we picked him up and we made sure he was at all the different places he needed to go. He put on a very good show that night. Um, I was his merch table mistress for the night and made some money for him. He actually, thank goodness, turned out to be a cool guy. I you worry about that when you meet someone you have a lot of fan admiration for you worry you're going to meet them and they're going to be a real ass um <laughs> thanks for not mincing words with that place. so and, in fact on saturday night after the show he had gone to um what's called bar fleet i'll let you ponder what that is about um it's a big open bar for singles of star trek um and he was over there for a little while, and he ended up coming over where we were doing some tastings and just hung out with fans for like an hour and a half talking about shoes and New York and his CDs and in a very low-key way. And it was actually really fun when we were oh, doing So it wasn't a douche is what you're saying. He was not. Excellent. He actually hung out with people and asked about them and and got the conversation going and the next day on sunday he ran a poll a uh, not a poll a uh, panel about what it's like to have independent music and he pretty much there was a young man with him but he didn't get to say about two words um but he talked a lot about what it's like to be an independent person and try to uh, why he has to tour so much. He doesn't have an agent. He does all his bookings himself. Um, he does all his travel arrangements him himself. Um, and just talked about what it's like to have to do all that yourself. And it was actually very interesting. Nice. He talked about his Indiegogo campaign and explained how much he was getting from that and why it is important when you have independent people that if you are going to download their music somewhere else that you do go to their show and you do buy their t-shirts and their cds and their crap that they sell because that's literally how they pay the rent so and that was really neat to hear somebody talk about that cool <clears throat> so what was what was the what was the best part of nauticon for you the best part, you know what? I'm going to say that panel that Voltaire did, um, and listening to him talk as an artist about how he he used to do stop animation things for MTV back when MTV was cool, which was you know how many decades ago was that? Um, and talking about the comic book and all the different genres that he's worked in, and how each one was different in its own way. To me, I thought that was one of the most interesting things for me. Excellent. So all in all, the second year of Nauticon was, uh, once again, a success? It sounds like they did well. Um, the date threw people a little bit because it was also the same weekend as Free Comic, comic Book Day. Right. Uh, in fact, there was a young woman that was there Friday night, drove all the way back up here to New Hampshire to get her free comics. Well, I hope she didn't go to double midnight because the lines were literally around the entire shopping plaza That's just what to I get heard. into there. And then she drove all the way back to P-Town. So, <laughs> that's a little crazy. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> but, a lot but, crazy. You know. And again, the Nauticon is 
uh, one weekend later next year, they're already setting everything up. And next nice. year's theme is going to be toga parties and Greek gods and goddesses. That sounds incredibly The dangerous. hotel is very nice. If anybody's, they're keeping the same hotel. It's on the very tip of P-Town. Um, I have to say, there's something about just going outside of your room and there is the cove that goes to the Atlantic Ocean, like right there. Very nice. It's really, really nice. So if you get a chance, folks should go down. Absolutely. And say hi to Pam and... Mary. Mary. Pam and Mary. they're cool people. They yes. They do a great job with that show. Uh, what else is happening, guys? Pretty much nothing. I think we should probably get moving on there. So to it's time guests, to which we have three of. end the news. There we go. I'm not playing the thing again. <laughs> I'll play this. Now I'm done. Okay. Wow, that's Ron Burgundy music. <laughs> that's that's some more of Joe Whitby's wonderful music. Uh, so uh, coming up, we have Mike Mitchell to talk about Zombie Sub. 920. Mike, actually, we met at GraniteCon this year. And then when I couldn't get into Free Comic Book Day at Double Midnight in Manchester, we flew down to their Concord store, which was very yeah. relaxed. And there was Mike. And we just kind of talked for a while. And I said, why don't you come on the show? Mike, welcome to Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Thank you, Dom. It's a great pleasure to be on. No, it's not a great pleasure. It's it's odd, but that's okay. <laughs> so, when we saw you at GraniteCon, you had put out the first issue of uh, Zombie Sub 920, which is an odd project in a lot of different ways. Um, is it odd? <laughs> well, yeah, it You're kind of is. <laughs> and we're just going to keep saying that for a while. It, it kind <laughs> of is in a number of ways. I mean, you've got you've got pinups and navy people and zombies, and yeah. it's a semi World War II adventure, and it's got a different feel to it than Don't virtually. The talking apes. I'm sorry. Don't forget the talking apes. Well, yeah, there's that too, <laughs> <laughs> and it's it it's got. A, a 1940s, 1950s feel to it. Was there yeah, a that's kind of what I was shooting for. No, there's not a question there. It's because the style of it that you've used is is very much a non-technical style to it. And let's let's talk about that just a little bit and and why you draw that way and and what what brought you to that kind of. Uh, that kind of comic book look. Other than it's a comic well, book. Well, I I think what you're what you're going for here is um, today a lot of comic books tend to be uh, very uh, computer assisted in their rendering and look pretty slick. Um, I've seen some that look like they're still frames from a video game. Um, I am a throwback to the older comics that were completely drawn, uh, inked, colored, and lettered all by hand. 
And that's just because that's what I grew up being a fan of and wanting to do as a kid and did a little um, looking into just how that was done. Um, my Bible was uh, How to Draw Comics the Marvel Way by John Buscema and Stan Lee. Right. And um, I, I think a lot of artists my age will agree that that was where they cut their teeth. But I, I just... I, I, I I just stayed with that line of of uh, comic creation. Um, I was I accepted to Joe Kubert's school of of cartoon and graphic design. Was not able to go um, because of the it was, it was a really costly would have been a really costly adventure for me back then, and uh, couldn't scrape up the funds, but I did wind up uh, taking these correspondence courses years later. And uh, There are a lot of I people did, who have done that, who have opted to take the correspondence courses and, and yeah. seem to get a lot out of it. Yeah, yeah. And, and his method was a very you know, old-school method, and I've just gravitated towards that. Um, storytelling, storytelling, and I, and I think there's I think there's a lot of great stuff that's done with the aid of computers, um, I don't. I don't want to sound anti that. It's just I think too many creators lean on that and get away from the storytelling. So, how does your process work? How, how did? Well, let's actually start even in easier than that. Where did you come up with the concept for this this comic series? And because uh, it's it's. Again, I don't know a better way to put this than odd. It's it's very cool, but it's odd. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, it's just it's it's a mishmash of things that my wife and I like, and um, we're we're both comic collectors and sci-fi fans, and spend our weekends watching Godzilla movies with our grandson and. And uh, you know, going to comic cons and and reading sci-fi books and things like that. So we, I was working on a comic that uh, titled called Zombie Boy, which is um, I was going around New England selling at different cons and things, and we were set up at a con in Portland, Maine and uh, decided to take a run down to Portsmouth and tour the Albacore, which is a, um, was one of the Navy's research subs. It was, it was the most technically advanced submarine of its day. I think it, it's, it's like a 1960-era sub and um, was used as a research vessel, and all these cool things took place on board. So, and you can actually go inside the sub and, and walk the whole length of it back and forth. And my wife came up to me and said, this is real. We were talking about how creepy and spooky it was in different parts of the sub. And she said, can you imagine zombies on a submarine? Where would you run? So that's where the idea was born. And uh, at the time, I just was, you know, doing other things. So I would just peck out a page or two here or there and come up with, you know, I like Plan the Apes guys, and what if there was 
you know, what if it was this post-apocalyptic world and there was there was mutated apes and 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 that's it's not so much a ripoff from Planet of the Apes because that if you there was a phase in DC Comics where talking apes were in just about every story. <laughs> so, so I mean uh, that is that is well entrenched in in science fiction, and so I I felt comfortable taking you know that on as well, and and just wove this intricate backstory of a of a broken world where aliens had attacked, and uh, the only people that were left were was a handful of scientists and military people and all these zombies and that they came up with a way to neutralize the virus and they created a new army with the zombies who had been who have had their uh, need to eat brains neutralized by this vaccine and by genetically modifying apes and and together the humans the apes and the zombies are now fighting the aliens and trying to take back their world and refurbishing whatever uh, military uh, machinery is left. And, and one of, in this particular story, they're on board a refurbished 1960s atomic submarine. <laughs> Which makes perfect sense. In <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I think so. It's... The thing that I really like about it is the story has just enough of an edge to where everything that gets thrown at the reader, you just kind of go, oh, okay, I'm buying it. Let's move forward. And at the same time, the, the art style for this, the visual artistic style for it, is such a throwback and such a cool throwback that it reminds me of any one of those 50 science fiction movies, you know, The Day the Earth Stood Still, uh, um, uh, Them, It Came From Outer Space, all of that cool sure. stuff. And it's got that sure. same kind of uh, 1950s sci-fi feel to it without getting to, like, a, a Siffy movie like Sharknado. Yeah, yeah. No, we're, my wife and I are huge fans of, you know, 1950s, uh, I guess what you would call atomic cinema, you know, the old sci-fi um, uh, movies that you would see on, like, Creature Double Feature. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So, I mean, we, we have vast libraries of those awesome. types of films, and uh, we watch them regularly. And, and also, a, a huge influence on me was uh, the Gold Key comics and some of the outrageous um, stories they had in like you know ghosts and um, Samson, the mighty Samson, and which was also a post-apocalyptic world, and um, uh, Mars Patrol. I don't know if you remember that one, but that was a, um, a no, that was good. that that was something I never got into, but I know a lot of people did, and uh, it was uh, it was it was a whole kind of subgenre of far fantasy with just a little bit of a hook to it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of, you know, you never knew. That was that was the joy for me as a kid reading it, is you never knew what was going to happen next. Right. And and the, the gold key and Dells, they had sort of a house style. It was 
you didn't have like Jack Kirby's and real standout, you know, Neil Neil Adams, real standout artist. It was more of just a general house style, just a general look. And for me as a kid, I think one of the things I latched onto early was that made the story extremely readable, you know. And that's something that um, some of the some of the really well admired artists talk about frequently, and, and I've read in interviews that sometimes the art will overwhelm the story. And so with my stuff, I, I try to keep a balance. I try not to be too uh, crazy with, you know, I, once in a while I like to throw some neat visuals out there for people to latch on to. But the story, I think, is the most important thing. And I think what surprised some readers is that uh, it seems like it's a silly story and a silly premise or odd as we as we banded that around. But once yeah, we you have, start actually. getting into it, it, you know, you get like you said, you get those hooks that yeah, drag you along and I mean, make that, you want to that, find out what happens next. That's that's what makes it workable. Is that there's there's an interesting storyline. There's a real hook to it. It's it's a throwback in a lot of ways, and it it really works well. I mean, Thank I'm you. having a lot of fun with it. Thank you. Uh, this next issue um, that we're working on, issue number three, and that's going to go to the printers um, before, just before Memorial Day. And uh, that issue has a lot of um, a lot of threads you can see beginning. Um, the first one was kind of a you're just thrown into this. Um, world, and the second one, you're kind of figuring out, okay, I, I see how things work here. The third one, you, I really establish a lot of the different character traits with some of the main characters, and there's some foreshadowing of where things are going to go from here. So, Mike, how can listeners who haven't seen this or haven't been able to get to it, where can we find it? Um, we have a website that's being tweaked right now, but we uh, there's a I have a blog site, and you can just if you just Google search Mitchell Comics, it comes right up. But the actual address is um, http semicolon backslash backslash Mitchell Comics. Well, I'm pretty sure it's not a semicolon, <laughs> and just just I'm going to stop you right there and and say we will have the link in our in our post for this podcast. Yeah. Okay, that's easier. <laughs> Much easier. On both our ends. Absolutely. So, Mike, I, w- I want to thank you for coming on the show, and I want to thank you for uh, sitting down and talking with me for a few minutes of Free Comic Book Day uh, a couple of weeks back. I really appreciated the time. And uh, are you going to be making appearances at, uh, at uh, GraniteCon this year? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, table's already booked. Awesome. All right. Any other con- any other local conventions you're going to be at? Um, we have a couple through the summer um, that we're looking at. Um, nothing firm right now. Okay. But, cool. Uh, we'll but definitely, doing, we'll definitely, we'll definitely be at uh, Double Midnight when issue three comes out in Concord. Alrighty, so we'll be able to see you then, and we'll be able to see you at Granite Con towards the end of this summer. Uh, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show tonight, Michael. Thank you so much. Really appreciate thank your time. You, 
All righty. You have a wonderful night. You too. All righty. And now, as if we hadn't had enough arts, artsy goodness to this point. <laughs> Artistic. The worst freaking segue in the universe, and I've done it. Joining us at the second. <laughs> yeah. Wow, Dome. Wow. Hey. Okay, you know, I'm a semi-professional amateur. All right, what, oi, I'm just going to take this one. So now we have joining us Joe and RM from the new, brand new, NaNoWriMo Story Bundle. So since Dome has no idea what NaNoWriMo is, I'm just going to take that, unless you all want to. Please do that. Okay. You go for it. it's, It's the initial two letters of national... Novel Writing Month. Was that slow enough? <laughs> was it? Yeah, that Do was I good. need to go back one? Month. No, you're good. You're good. Month. Okay, good. Just making sure everyone had that so, down. Not so only basically, was... authors sign up. I, I, I don't even know that there's an official sign up. Maybe they just announce it. They say, I'm doing this. And then they write a novel in a freaking month. And that's crazy. So, Joe, is that how that works? Uh, yeah, there, there is a sign-up. No, I'm you lying. Can, uh, <laughs> they, it's basically to keep you honest because they have a word count that you can post every day. Ah. But yeah, you, you, you sort of—it's like a—it's a self challenge, and you, you say, "I'm going to write a fifty thousand word novel in the month of November," which is great because Thanksgiving's in there. Good lord! Oh, good yep. lord! And you—you you were one of the people who did it. I did, yeah. As did RM. As did everyone who's in this bundle. That yes, that would be why it's the, the yeah. NaNoWriMo bundle. Got it. Okay. Yep. So, and not only were you one of the authors, you also curated this bundle. So, not only did you go through this kind of excruciating birthing pain of one month having a novel come out. Way to go, but, graphic dome. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Way to go. You're you're entirely welcome. And then you had to read. How many other novels did you look at before you got your story bound together here? Oh, there was. Um, I narrowed it down to five perspective novels pretty quickly. There were more than that, but like you, I, I only read through five of them fully because you can usually find out pretty early on if a novel was well feels like it was written in thirty days. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, uh, uh, I, then it was it was tricky narrow it down to to what we eventually got into. The, I had to pick uh, three, and uh, it was it, you know choosing so, the best between good ones is a lot easier than choosing the good out of the bad. Yeah, I bet uh, having we we went through the same curating process. Well, a similar curating process when we did our our story bundle, and uh, what sounded to me as as a fairly easy job turned out to be somewhat excruciating in oh ways that I never. You had. didn't even do it. I did it. Yeah, you did it. I all. was just like, okay, what's your pick? Okay, they mm-hmm. don't want to do it. Who's the next pick? Or or you know, or they got tied up with stuff and. They don't have the rights to any of their ebooks, so who's the next one? <laughs> or they're not answering my emails, who's the next one? 
you know, was, shit happens. You know, you gotta you gotta add the slop factor in there because you you just never know what's gonna come up. It's better to be prepared. So the book that you brought into the Nano Bundle was Free Wrench. That's right. Which I did not read correctly the first time I saw it. <laughs> yeah. was, was, was it Free Wench? Is that what you came up with? <laughs> it kind of was, yes. Okay. <laughs> Still that was intriguing, an book too. but in a t- yeah. an entirely different way. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Yeah, when you come up with a, a book in a, in a month, you also come up with a, with a title very, very quickly. So, like, people have arb- argued with me about putting a hyphen in my title. You jerk! Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you! People think that, like, oh, did it not fit all in one line on the, t- on the title or on the cover? You had to put a hyphen and just, yeah, it was, I get, I get weird complaints like that. And you didn't start out as a writer. No, I did not start out as a writer. I started out as an engineer and then became an IT guy because it turns out they weren't hiring engineers. So, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that whole IT What thing. kind of engineer? Uh, a computer engineer. I have a master's degree, actually. Really? They were not hiring computer engineers? Well, really? I was, I was still in college and, uh, and uh, whatever, I needed a job. Hmm. And I got a contact within, uh, within a healthcare company. I don't know if I should be saying exactly which one. And uh, I got a job there, and then once I got my master's degree, I was like, well, I already have a job. I guess I should stick with it. And then I did. There you go. Interesting story, yeah. But it was also boring, so there was lots of writing involved, and then that sort of caught on. Hmm. I started out as a molecular biologist, so. Impressive. Yeah, she kind of did. Things happen. Yeah, they do. You never know what's going to happen. College majors are sort of suggestions. They are. I don't think I know anyone who ended up getting a job in what they expected to get a job in. Oh, I did for for four years, and, and now I am not doing that, thank God. <laughs> so, you know. Get into STEM careers, kids. Yeah, yeah no, don't do that. Definitely <laughs> don't do that. It does not pay. Um, yeah, unfortunately. You would think it would, but it doesn't. Nope. So what gave you your idea for the book, if I can switch us back? What is it actually about, too? Because, <laughs> oh. because uh, I'm going to confess to our listeners that um, we, we got you two on the show with about, what, like four hours to spare? Yeah, it was very sudden. So, have not read it yet, am not ashamed to admit. It's, yeah, I would have I would have demanded that you read it in the in the in the four hours between then and now. No, I couldn't do it. But, uh, a free wrench. It's free wrench is a steampunk novel, and uh, well, you it's have a, guessed that by the dirigibles on the cover. Yeah, dirigibles. Basically, dirigibles are the excuse for the book. Sweet. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I need to write something that's got a dirigible dogfight and uh, a corset and probably goggles. Okay, so, so what, what, what you're saying is that? I should have read the book in the four hours. <laughs> If you like those things, oh, um, but yeah, and it's about it's about a, a woman who is an engineer in a society where mostly people are artists. Well, in a very small part of society where most people are artists, and the rest of the society is sort of drowned out by stuff they call the fug, which is not terribly healthy for you to breathe. So all the cities are way up high, and all the vehicles are airships, 
And she sort of ventures out into that because she finds out that they're a lot more scientifically advanced than, than where she comes from. And her mother is sick, and she wants to find a cure and hopes that they have it. So that's the, that's the story. Cool. Sounds like a cool story. So, so while we're on the topic of what's your, what's your book about, RM, care to weigh in? My, my book? Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, well, my book's high fantasy. It's, um, well, first of all, I want to say um, thank you guys for letting, you know, for choosing my book to be in this bundle because I've never had anything like this happen to me before in my life. So I think it's pretty awesome. Um, <laughs> well, well, we, I, I mean, I haven't read your book yet, but, you know, <laughs> Joe thinks you're awesome. So that's, that seems yeah. good to me. Well, I'm I'm glad. I'm, <laughs> it's awesome. Um, so my my book is actually um I had my idea of my book was from um, a D and D campaign, and I That's where decided all the best to ideas like, come from. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm like a huge like D and D gamer. So um, one of my characters. Uh, so it's the story itself is about a young man who has this passion for fire. He's like serious, crazy pyromaniac, and um, he goes to uh, get private lessons from this wizard guy that uh, you know t- teaches him magic, and he realizes that what he's learned is a lot more than what he realized. So he has to go on this adventure to learn more about himself, and he learns something. Don't want to give away too much of the book, but he learns something that he never realized what he was and he has to find out and that it kind of spans across um it's a trilogy and it spans across two other books um the five so so wait a minute whoa 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 this is a trilogy where can i get the other two books um they're available right now you know on amazon everywhere i mean uh, yeah Uh, all right where can i get non-kindle books (laughs) Um, well if you you can i have a, a links on my website that um pretty much have every store, you know, if you don't have a Kindle, I mean, there's Barnes & Nobles, Kobo, Kobo, Smashwords, you can get... Alright, alright, I'm, I'm going there right now. <laughs> I'm going there. Um, alright, is this the Pyromancer trilogy? Yes, it is. Yes. yes. I see. Oh, and you have another series, the Goddess series. Now, yes. of these, how many were written in a month? Um, let's see. I wrote all of my books in the Pyromancer Trilogy were written in a month. Also, um, wait, wait, all three in one month or one month each? Oh, what one month each? Okay, yeah, good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that wow. would be way too odd. The, wow. the trilogy was three nanos worth of <laughs> writing. Wow. And uh, <laughs> I wrote the Necromancer's Apprentice. Um, actually, the Necromancer's Apprentice was my first nano book I, re- I wrote. Um, but actually, I wrote the I wrote the Necromancer's Apprentice. Um, like one month before during another event, which was inspired by NaNoWriMo, which was called GothNoWriMo, which you have to write a gothic novel in a month, essentially. But that, and that was in October. And it was just my, uh, my way of, I guess, testing the waters. So that was actually my first book I wrote in a month. Well, actually, it was less than a month, but yeah. Um, but yeah, the Pyromancer trilogy are definitely NaNo books. Um, yeah, so far. All right, this is going to sound like a really weird question. Yes. <laughs> Who did your cover art? Uh, for the Pyromancer trilogy and Necromancer's Apprentice, this is an artist called, uh, named Sarah Ellerton. Uh, she 
she did the artwork for uh oh I can't remember the uh the title of that book. Um it's a it's a comic um a comic series and she uh actually they were just a free comic book day too. Um I wanna say uh I can't remember now, it eludes me, but um she oh she's also done like the Phoenix Requiem, which is a webcomic. I don't know if you're familiar with oh, yeah, it. Sorry, it's, I, I'm, I'm, I'm following oh, the, that, the that's little... Oh, find, Finding Go- Gossamer, that's what it was. I'm um, following finding, the little breadcrumbs right now. Yeah, Finding Finding Gossamer by Third World, Third World Studios. And um, they actually had a free comic book day uh, thing out with her artwork in it. Um, yeah, she, she's amazing. I really love her style. Now I'm stalking her on DeviantArt. I, I just saw the <laughs> Necromancer's Apprentice cover. It's absolutely gorgeous. And really is, I yeah. say that because the cover is an oft-neglected thing in in independent sort of publishing. It's, it's yeah. usually terrible. Um, but both of you have really awesome covers. And and Joe, I just to go back to you for one second, um, I, I was just looking in my in my library of ebooks and you've been in quite a few story bundles. I have been all of my books have shown up in story bundles. Yep. I was in two that fantasy means ones I have and the like first all one. All of your books, apparently. Yep. <laughs> oh good, because I want to read this. Released in this one. I want to read this current so, one. So okay, that's really cool. How did this happen? How did you meet Jason? And how? Tell me about that. Um, uh, well, oh, remember, you know, Humble, you're familiar with Humble Indie Bundle? Of course. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, a while ago, I, I had, my friend was like, hey, they should do ebooks. So I wrote them uh, a letter and I was like, hey, you should do ebooks. And I have a bunch of them. So <laughs> how about I offer you up my ebooks? And they gave me not a form letter, but sort of, a, oh, well, you know, we're considering it. And then just sort of brushed me no, off. No, they're not. Yeah, and then uh, uh, but then a couple of weeks later, my friend Carrie was just cruising. He's like jacked into the internet; it's absurd. And he's like, "Oh, uh, Jason Chen is is going to be putting together uh, an ebook bundle, like humble bundle. It's called Story Bundle." And I found the submission link, and I submitted my sci-fi book, Bypass Gemini. And then you know, X number of I don't know months later, I got an email from him saying, "I read the first twenty-five percent, and it's definitely in." And then so I was I was in the first bundle for that, and then subsequently I was like, I have more books, and he's like, well, put them in more bundles, and I just sort of kept on sneaking my way in there. Sweet. Nice. I mean, this, this is what I love about what we do, is like we meet cool people who do cool things, and they introduce us to other cool people doing cool things. Yep. <sighs> never gets old, let me tell you. No, I just get old, but it never does. Yeah, <laughs> we know. <laughs> we know. We're aware. But so so so, is is NaNoWriMo something that you do every year? Because it seems RM like you you do that pretty much annually. Yeah, I've, uh, I've yeah. been doing. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, you go first. <laughs> I was saying I I have I just I was doing mine since uh, two thousand nine. I've uh, just been I've been participating in the uh, November one and also the Camp NaNoWriMo, which they have uh, uh, April and July of the year every year. So, RM, I have a question for you then. Yes. Why? It's. I mean, seriously. It's it's a great excuse to keep writing and get you know get my story down as fast as I can. And. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 the. In a lot of ways, it's running a marathon, just to run the marathon. 
but I mean, you're you're taking a creative process and you're really just just punching at it for thirty days of of uh, <laughs> unrepentant work more than anything else. Well, for me, it it I I need that motivation to like a goal to just keep writing. I'm I'm like a combat I'm a competitive person, so I you know I need like some sort of goal to help me you know get stuff done essentially. So. You know, NaNoWriMo has definitely helped me get a lot of my stories out that I otherwise would have been too lazy to sit down and write. But at least this kind of teaches me, okay, you can't you can't procrastinate, you can't be lazy, you have to write this many words a day. And it kind of di- keeps me disciplined to keep writing every day and reach my goal. Oh my god, I just saw something on your website and I, sorry, it has nothing to do with your writing, but I have to talk about it because it's so amazing. My website? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, your website. It's so okay. cute. I wait, love wait, it. wait. Pause it for a second, though, Kriana, because I want to hear Joe's answer. Yeah, Okay, me sorry, too. sorry. But after All right. Um, sure. I have only done the last two NaNoWriMo's. Uh, the first one was really tricky because that was when Hurricane Sandy blacked out the, uh, the, the East Coast or whatever. So oh, I had a boy. week where I, I, I was writing in pads. But, uh, you wrote uh, that I, much out longhand, like my I, hand just cramped up thinking about it. <laughs> it was, it was, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I wrote my first, I wrote my first three novels longhand because I wrote them very long time ago. But uh, yeah, so I, I've done the last two. Actually, both of my Nanorimo projects are in this bundle. I'm also one of the bonuses. Uh, the other eight is, is the other book. It's mm-hmm. superheroes. But uh, and I, I do, I do Nanorimo. Uh, uh, I hope to do it every year because the other stuff I write is all in long series, and this is really the way I can sort of cheat my way into writing a new topic. Like, I have a list of stuff I would want to write, but I can't really take that much time away from the series, so I'll carve out a month every year and write something new. Nice. So, RM, you've done this for so long for so many different things. Has your process changed in the NaNoWriMo since you started doing it? Um, not too much. I mean, I I just try to write, you know, my, my usual goal a day for NaNo is like 3,000 a day, 3,000 words a day. Um, I, I'm, I'm like, you know, the sooner I get it done, the sooner it'll be over kind of thing. So I try to write as much as I can and finish my book as fast as I can. Um, but, you know, after NaNo, I have time to, you know, edit my other, my backlog of other NaNo books that I've, that I've written that are still stored somewhere that I've put away and <laughs> to come back to later. <laughs> it's just an amazing process. because I, I have a question for both of you. When you have to write something that much that fast, do you actually put together an outline? I mean, do you get your quick idea and then put together an outline and then just fill it in? Or do you just do it one word on in front of the other? Um, well, for me, I, uh, I like to outline, but usually whenever I outline, my story tends to go a different direction anyway. But <laughs> I like having the outline just in case I do come into a, ro- you know, a, a writer's block per se, and I have something to fall back on. But there's lots of people I know that are, they call them pantsers, or they just write on the seat of their pants without outlining or anything, but I could never do that. But <laughs> For me, I, uh, I, I, 
I don't usually outline. It, usually I'm about halfway through the month before I figure out how the story is going to end. I wouldn't say I'm, I'm a, a straight-up pantser, though. I always sort of plan the characters out, and I, I, know, I know sort of the story I want to tell, but I don't know what's going to happen in it until I start writing it down. Okay. Which can get sort of harrowing when you're, like, getting into the 20th of the month and you're not entirely sure what the <laughs> climax is. <laughs> so, Kriani, you had someplace you wanted to go there? Yes, so I, I'm just super amused right now. Um, you have no way of knowing this, because I assume probably you've never heard of us before about four hours ago. Is that fair to say? Uh, for me? Sure, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess you can say that. <laughs> well, you can say you did if you had heard of us. <laughs> Well, I mean, if you count the emails that were going back and forth. Well, yeah, okay, so four hours ago, you learned we existed, so you have no idea that I have a long history of talking with specifically authors about cool alternative business models and how they survive as an author in the digital era, which you guys seem to be doing awesome at. And, and RM, I'm up on your website, and I, <laughs> you have a little pirate folder in your oh. sidebar, <laughs> and it's adorable. <laughs> I love it. I love it because you know what? That's awesome. Because cause people will throw you. Has it been used? Um, so far, no. And I, I just want to say that um, the idea actually came from Hugh Howie, and I actually asked him, "Hey, this looks so cool. Can I like borrow this from you?" And he's like, "Sure, you can." Yeah. So. <laughs> So that's kind of, that's my incentive of doing it, but so far I've not um, seen anything from that. I mean, I've only had it up for a couple months, so... Have you found your stuff on pirate sites? Oh, yeah, plenty of times, yeah, but, but I'm that, like... But that's, that's kind of good for you, in a way, because, I mean, better than yeah. not finding it there, I would think. Yeah, personally. and it's like, I don't feel like playing whack-a-mole. I mean, it's going to get, you know, people that are way bigger and more popular than me have their stuff pirated and it's like <laughs> you know i'm just a small fish and but, well, um, well i mean what i mean frankly the more people who read it the better off you are in any case i think yeah because yeah, you know worst yeah. case scenario they were never gonna buy it anyway best case yeah. scenario they find out about it from their friends and so I, i'm checking out your links you you do have ebook versions all over the place um yes. and and Smashwords itself is DRM free and one and one thing I want to compliment you on aside from the adorable pirate folder <laughs> is is the pricing of your ebooks. So your books are 3.99 or at least this one is. Yeah. Is is that across the board? Um yeah, 3.99 for like for books 1, 2 and 3 of the of my trilogy and 2.99 for um my, uh, the Necromancer's Apprentice, and then 99 cents for my two short stories. Um, that Goddess is a darn reasonable price. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah. That is a uh, darn yeah. re I cannot tell you how angry it makes me when I go on Amazon and see ebook editions for more than a paperback. Wow, yeah. It drives yeah. me up a wall because <laughs> it doesn't cost them anything to send you an ebook, it costs them literally like less than a tenth of a cent. Literally. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you probably know that. Yeah, and, and a lot of it, a lot of it's like, sometimes a lot of it's the publisher. I mean, they set the prices and 
you know, authors may not have that choice, but yeah, well, exactly. Are... I mean, now you have that flexibility as an independent publisher to yeah. say, okay, I'm not going to go with ins- this insanity. Yeah. And, and I think you'll find, I hope you are finding that the, it'll, it'll pay off in volume. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, definitely. I think, um, you know, and, and I, I kind of price my books in a way that, you know, if I were a reader, like how much would I pay for, you know, a book of this length? So I try to price it on what I would pay for, like, you know, for something. Well, and, and I, I'm going to make an assumption here. You're a young person. Um, youngish. I'm, prob- I, I'm probably. I want to say I might be older than all you guys, but <laughs> you think you are okay? But Domeron, can, can we ask you? <laughs> are we allowed to ask? Is it too rude? Um. Well, you can uh, try to t- try to take a guess, but <laughs> um, 20- Creator, you might want to say. I'm gonna get a guess. I'm gonna. I'm gonna guess twenty-one. Oh no. <laughs> Let's let's just say I I grew up in the era of uh, Shira and Jim and okay so oh, you're God. probably around Zombrarian in my age okay so yeah probably so yeah. so like within ten years of twenty one so I am older than pretty much yeah yeah okay yeah, yeah. okay you're you're right around Zombrarian you're not and I. Older than we <laughs> are of that digital era we're digital natives as it would be called okay and and not like. Yeah, you used to pay 20 bucks for a CD, but why would you do that now? Exactly. And and I understand why Excuse you pay... Me, you paid 15 bucks for a CD. Uh, depending what CD and when it came out, you never know. Well, if it was a two-disc set, you paid 20. Some some of them, when they first came out, were 20 anyway. <gasps> but that's a side. I know, it was insanity. Now, pay you pay 99 cents to $1.99, and that is highly reasonable for a track and you don't have to get all the crappy you know extra songs that they put on there as filler in some cases and i i feel like that books are gonna get there they're gonna get down to that 99 cent i'm hoping for a novel or dollar 99 for a novel you only and- pay for the words you want and the extra filler word. Yeah, screw the. I mean, that word is such a filler. No, I, I mean, I mean, but even even more so than music. Music actually takes a substantial amount of space to store. Books take almost nothing. It's really negligible. You can have an extensive library in in fifty megabytes. You could you could almost keep you know a hundred books on a floppy disk. Yeah, those things existed once upon a time. <laughs> Floppy disk indeed. I wow. know, it's so I'm silly. Sorry. It's so silly. But but I, I'm always sad when I hear authors say I could it's devaluing my work. It's it's you know, my book is worth more than a dollar ninety nine. I'm sorry. It's probably not. Well, their time is worth more than that, though. Well, that's a whole different ballgame. That's a completely different question. And the the fact is, is that many software developers, let's let's point out, are are living selling their products for ninety nine cents or a dollar ninety nine or free. Myung, probably. Mm-hmm. And and it's these these new, um business models like 
you know, not pricing your books crazily. And um, as Story Bundle itself, helping to promote the, the indie authors, which is so cool. Um, that's going to sort of move it into the next century. Well, what Story Bundle does, too, which I think is just a model of marketing, is the, the flexible buy-in plan, which just is is a wonderful idea because what you find is that most people will stay right where you thought they were going. At the $10. At the 10 to $12 range. And yep. it's it's just uh, a great idea. And you know uh, what? Here's here's the thing. For $10, you get two, four, six, seven books. That is not a bad deal right that's there. That's a great that's deal. That's a freaking good deal. Yep. I, I mean, that's exactly where ebooks are, are should be priced. And I have no second thoughts or reservations about supporting seven ebooks for $10 at all. Were you going to say something, Dom? I was. I'm not sure what it was, but I was definitely <laughs> going to say something. So. So we all like Story Bundle. It's really we do. cool. We do. We do. I, I, like, I like to find new authors. I, I didn't even realize there was actually a con Story Bundle held a contest. Yeah, for, it was kind of hard getting the, the word out about that. But, um. It, do you know if that's going to happen again? Uh, well, I, this one was sort of my idea, so uh, I guess I could pitch it again, that's for sure. Well, well Joe, here's it, bundle. I mean, if it happens again, you know, let us help you get the word out for it. Oh, definitely. We, Keep we know a couple of authors. We, uh, yeah, we know a few that have been on the show, you know? All so, right, excellent. And, and I'll put it on my list. <laughs> please, please do. Uh, so... Joe, what have you got coming up? What have I got coming up? I'm writing a. Uh, I, I have. I have two series uh, that are that are, like my sort of my money makers. By the way, speaking of pricing, uh, I have two free books. You can you can make money with free books too if they're the first in a series. Yes, you can. See, oh. that's brilliant. <laughs> brilliant. Absolutely. Because because so, uh, of course you can. Yeah. Because if you hook people on the story, then they're they're going to come along for the ride. Of course yep. they are. Everyone I, uh, wants to know what happened. Did you hear how incensed I was when I heard that was the first of three? I'm like, all right, I'm on there right now. <laughs> Literally <laughs> buying them right now because I know when I go to read them, I'm going to be like, oh, my God, what happens? I can't even wait to buy this. It's just got to be already on my iPad. So there. Yeah, so I've got uh, I got the two series and, and uh, I've, got, I've got a, I think, Five uh, uh, fantasy books, and I'm about to write the third sci-fi book. That's what I'm working on right now. I don't know when it will be finished, but uh, hopefully so this year. Is that part of that superhero series? That no, uh, no. The, super, the superhero is separate. That was just a uh, an was incredibly your... stupid series of ideas that I had to, you know. The superhero book was uh, what are the stupidest superpowers I can think of, and how can I make them useful? <laughs> so. There's there's a guy well, that, who literally his his only power is that his skin is green and he has photosynthesis. Hey, what, what do you do with that? Uh, not a whole lot. He's one there of the most <laughs> characters. But there's and, somebody who can uh, cause spontaneous dance routines and somebody who can spit sunflower <laughs> seeds at supersonic speeds. And they are useful. 
at certain moments. Sure. Oh, now, now, see, I, I went to go buy your books, and I realized I actually probably have all of these. You don't from need to buy my books; you have them from the story bundle. I do, I do. But your books, I would like to point out, are also priced very reasonably. Yeah, I, you don't have to. You don't have to price them very high at all to make some money. So, RM, what have you got going on in in, in the near future? Um. Well, I'm. Gearing up for <laughs> November's NaNoWriMo, um, I'm actually, I'm working on, I'm revising a couple of previous NaNo books now, I'm editing them, and uh, for November, I'm, I'm still deciding, debating on what, what, what to start on, either a new series or some spinoff series from, um, from my trilogy, because I, I got this really awesome email from a reader and it kind of like inspired me to like write more from that trilogy, but um, and it's always always awesome to get fan mail. So, <laughs> um, you know, and that yeah. just yeah. and that's another thing too. If you like something, let them know; they really appreciate hearing it. Yeah, yeah. very true. Definitely. Yeah. Well, I, I've got to tell you, you know, I, I'm a big fan of Story Bundle. I'm a big fan of what they do. Uh, I'm a big fan of, of a lot of the writers who were in here and uh, who, who, whose books I have, I have voraciously read. And I am looking forward to this one, which I'm busy downloading as we talk. <laughs> uh, I feel like I feel like we should also mention since I feel like we're coming up on the end of the show yeah, we're that there. there is also a paranormal romance bundle going on for the next six days and as far as the sci-fi fantasy NaNoWriMo bundle if you join the email list in the next couple of days or so um, you can still get a free bonus book which is cruelly the first of the series <laughs> yeah. I see what he did there mm -hmm. mm. And, and somebody emailed me this morning and said Dome it's a paranormal romance bundle right in your wheelhouse <laughs> <laughs> and she was right <laughs> yes I was oh Criano who's coming on in the next couple of weeks well we have some exciting guests um, next next week maybe next week we don't have anyone next I week think we, we do mm, maybe but yes, the music's getting louder and louder it's getting louder that's not possible okay Anyway, next week we have Joe Schmalky of the comic The Calamitous Black Devils. On the 31st, Nick Acosta and Travis Ritchie talk about the Inspector Chronicles movie. Hooray! On yeah. June 7th, um, Derek and Chuck of MysteryAircraft.com. Sounds mysterious, dead redhead. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of Boston Comic Con, Granite Con, PopCultureExpo.com, Rhode Island Comic Con, booksandbooze.com, and comicarthouse.com. Visit comicarthouse.com for best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. Tonight's outro music was provided by Lawrence Made Me Cry. Our intro music was provided by Rob Watts, and you can find Rob Watts' work on robwattsonline.com. Check out more on Lawrence Made Me Cry on lawrencemademecry.com. Don't. <laughs> 
that's getting more unwieldy by the moment. We've got to figure that one out. Anyhow, great show tonight. I want to thank uh, Mike Mitchell from Zombie Sub 920. I want to thank Joe and RM from the Story Bundle Sci-Fi NaNoWriMo Bundle. Thank you guys so much for joining us tonight. I want to thank our, our, our cast for being all here at the same time, which is fairly rare. From the Revere Time Vortex, this sweetheart of the soundboard, Kriana, and our grammar girl, Zombrarian. Thank you, ladies. Punctual and puncturable. She's wearing the cone of shame again, isn't she? <laughs> From the Four Color Vault of Comics, thank you so much, Dead Redhead. Happy birthday, Illustrator X. Yes, happy birthday. He finally turned 21. He's legal to drink. This is Dome saying, Genie, shared pain is lessened, <laughs> shared joy increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Good night, everybody. That sounds good. That sounds perfect.